0: Welcome to another episode of Uplifting Conversations. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of of being with Marlon Evans of NextCubed, also the HBCU Founders Initiative and now HBCU Founders Fund. Uh, Marlon, thank you so much for, for joining me here today. The word that I keep coming back to is uplifting. I have this conviction based on my lived experience that uplifting people or the planet doesn't have to be draining. It can actually Feel uplifting to the person who's making that impact. Today, I have the absolute pleasure of of being with Marlon Evans of Next cubed also the HBCU Founders Initiative, and now HBCU Founders Fund. Uh, Marlon, thank you so much for for joining me here today.
1: No, absolutely, son. Great to be here.
0: Yeah. Um, so uh, I think I, I would probably rather have you um, describe what an accelerator as a service is in terms of what Nextcube does. And then, and then uh, why don't you share a little bit about how that led you into the HBCU Founders Initiative, what that is, and then now the the most recent uh, sort of uh, uh, step in that, that progression, which is the HBCU Founders yep. Fund.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. So we've... We've been investing in early stage companies since 2017. And our our model is we provide a cash investment and then a four-month accelerator program for primarily pre-seed, seed stage uh, companies. And so we've made 80 investments over that period. And our capital comes from primarily high net worth individuals, family offices who invest directly into NextCubed. And then we um, kind of leverage that capital to make investments um, into our portfolio, and when there's a liquidity event in the portfolio, we bring that money back into Nextcube and kind of distribute it out pro rata to our to our shareholders. But a unique thing about our model is we've built up this this infrastructure to run these accelerator programs, so other foundations and other corporates will come to us and you know ask us to run an accelerator on their behalf and they'll you know kind of pay us to to run those programs you know for them. So the company is both generating revenue on one hand, but then also distributing capital, you know, on the other. And so that foundation kind of led us to wanting to see if we couldn't open source our accelerator curriculum to support individuals who typically don't have access to you know the resources at that really early stage you know level to help them you know scale and grow their their businesses and so we you know rolled it out to HBCUs um, starting initially with students and and recent alums and found that we were filling a really great void in the marketplace there was a lot of really great point in time activity happening at HBCUs whether those are corporate sponsored pitch competitions or hackathons, but there wasn't kind of that ongoing programming to say, okay, now you have this great idea, you know, what do you do with it? And so our program really helped kind of fill that void. And it just really snowballed, you know, from there to the point where, you know, we spun it out as its own 501c3 and, you know, we launched a, you know, fund as well.
0: Yeah, no, I I would love, I would love for you to uh, go a little bit deeper about how you got from, what NextCubed was initially doing um, and still is doing um, to starting the HBCU Founders Initiative because I, I know um, you're Stanford grad, um, uh, educated at one of the, the best institutions in the country, but not at a historically black uh, uh, university or, or, or college. You have uh, you know, a daughter who's a superstar in, 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 at Stanford. You have another one in the Ivy League. Uh, what is it? what was it that, that caused you to look at HBCUs and and, and go, I want to make an impact at historically black colleges and
1: universities? Yeah, no, I mean, great, great question. I mean, from our um, kind of perspective, we're always looking for, you know, opportunities to create an impact. And, you know, the, the reality is if we, you know, decided, Hey, we want to, you know, run accelerator programs at Stanford or UPenn or MIT, like we would be one of 10, you know, different programs. So it's, there's not a lack of access or, or resource there. So we decided where can we go where we feel like we can create the greatest impact. Um, and in looking at HBCUs and what they were offering, the tremendous amount of talent that was there, we just felt like it was, you know just unfair that there was that amount of talent great ideas and a lot of that was just dying on the vine just due to lack of support and so we said hey we can we have the resources let's try to at to whatever level we can fill that void
0: how have you found the the translation to be from doing this places like GE and other kind of big uh, going concerns that probably have all sorts of sophistication and ecosystem around um, building up companies to taking this and putting it somewhere that maybe doesn't have that same um, ecosystem and DNA.
1: Yeah, no, it's 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 a great reminder that things that we take for granted is not always the you know the case. Not everybody has you know access to that you know, funding that they need to people who have kind of been there, done that. You know, we're you know both in here in the in the Bay Area. If I walk outside and throw a baseball, probably hit one DC, a startup founder. You know, it's just a part of the you know the ecosystem. So we just had to recognize: look, we're we're not starting from scratch, but we need to make take steps to ensure that the right mentors and advisors are available to the students. That there is some early stage you know capital. That there's a curriculum. There's content. So making sure that we're bringing essentially the full accelerator as a, as a package to the institution. And then ideally after we've been on you know, campus for a few years, we can start building local capacity such that they're able to kind of manage and deliver the programming on their own. But in these early days, it's soup to nuts. Um, we're running the, you know, the entire tire program on their behalf. Yeah, and it's a, I think
0: it's incredible what you've. I had the benefit of hearing some of your founders pitch and 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 seeing some some decks and just to, to see uh, that level of polish put on talent that's pre existing um, is is was heartening for me. Is there was there a moment um, or or maybe an experience or statistic that that made you go, I have either I have to do this. Or, or after you had started, I am absolutely in the right place.
1: Yeah, I think when we first got the reaction, when we first had those initial signups and we thought, you know, hey, maybe 20 students will will sign up and participate. Um, and then it was 100, then it was 200, then it was 300, and then <laughs> it was hundreds. And we thought, well, wow, this is, again, something that needs to happen, whether we're doing it or someone else. Um, and it deserves its own organization, its own infrastructure to execute it. And and that's when we reached out. And you start getting the, the validation from the customer, if you will, and then also other kind of philanthropic supporters. Franklin Templeton said yes. AT&T says yes. Verizon said you just start hearing a lot of, yeses and you know that you're you're on the right you're on the right path and you're doing the right thing
0: so so how many um students have been through our entrepreneurs have been through the accelerator and how many schools now
1: so we're at over 700 students and alums across 75 hbcus and and the one thing that i will say is that we were really intentional not to just provide this programming to the usual suspects within the HBCU ecosystem, the Howards, the Spellmans, the Morehouses of the of the world. And so it was, again, heartening to see that we launched it during COVID, so it had to be virtual, but that we were able to support rural schools, you know, HBCUs that don't get a lot of funding and, and attention and provide that same level of support that we would at, you know, at Morehouse. So that that breadth of, of offerings is, is something that we're, we're very excited about. Um, and our hope is that we can continue not only to provide that breadth, but now go down deep at more of these schools where we actually have boots on the ground and we're able to do more, you know, really become a fabric of the part of the fabric of the, of the school. Um, so that's still on the whiteboard for, for the future, but we're working towards
0: that. Yeah, it's it's almost like, it, you know, it strikes me as almost synthetic might be the wrong word, but um, it's intentionally building some of these networks that already exist at some of the institutions you talked about where there might be 10 accelerators. And there's also friends and family with experience in these areas. There's capital and there's this whole support system that just hasn't been there. For Black entrepreneurs, right, um, um, and and maybe Black professionals have started to make some gains in certain areas, and so I think it, I think it's brilliant. I think it's really impactful. What what what's the aspirational kind of impact that you would that that you would see if everything goes well at all these institutions and with all these students?
1: Yeah, we're starting to see a little bit of that. So because we did um, we launched seven dedicated accelerators this past fall. Um, we had a process where we selected some. HBCUs, we're now we are starting to build some of that local capacity. So they each have a campus lead. They're hosting events on campus. We're putting the students through the program as a cohort They're That's going to build an alumni network and then hopefully they're then giving back to their you know, so students who are coming after them. So that <clears throat> just as you described, like, ultimately, we want to build a, a, a mini Innovation ecosystem on each of these campuses where they are having access to both kind of the advisory support and financial support to help get some of these opportunities off the ground. And, and the reality is, is that these are all current, in most cases, current students and what their idea is now may not be ultimately what they end up working on in the future. They, they may not even be an entrepreneur you know the future. They go work for uplifting capital. They go some, you know, somewhere else. But <laughs> come on. <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> but we want to build that entrepreneurial, you know, mindset around just whether you applying it to a, a new business or you're going to be an entrepreneur somewhere else. Like these skills around, you know, listening to your customer and understanding how your what your how your solution is solving a real problem. Like all of those kind of skills are gonna be applicable regardless of what they do. Um, And then hopefully, you know, at some point down the road, if they do get kind of that entrepreneurship bug, again, they have that foundation and they're ready to, you know, really make a move along that, along that path.
0: Yeah, I I can say from personal, but like deeply and experientially understanding business value creation serves one in so many different avenues and so many different places in society whether you're an entrepreneur or not I think it's it's such a such a huge service and so but one of the things that you mentioned I don't want to miss this opportunity to follow up is that you're not only about providing advisory support and building this lovely ecosystem of advice and networks but
1: capital (laughs) Uh,
0: so so talk about where 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 that came in the progression and and what you're doing now
1: yeah, so through the the nonprofit, we were providing non-dilutive, you know, grants, really small, um, essentially stipends to help the students continue to work on their businesses. Is that something that they were interested in? We recognized that that wasn't going to be enough to move, you know, move the needle um, in in most cases, and so we said, you know, let's launch this. Um, uh, fund that is more, you know, kind of a traditional, you know, two and twenty fund LP GP uh, structure to really, I think, in in some cases, and I had to kind of like look at myself in the mirror and say, you know, am I the right person to be, you know, doing this work? To your point earlier, I'm not an HBCU, you know, grad, um, but after you know, kind of considering it, really, what we're trying to to state in in many cases is that. A Silicon Valley-based firm sees a lot of value in what's happening at HBCUs. Like that statement that we're hoping to make will ideally attract other investors who weren't necessarily thinking about talent coming out of North Carolina AT in the same as we're thinking about talent coming out of MIT. And so by us being quote-unquote outsider, if you will, even though we've been on the ground working at these institutions, we feel like we can send a pretty powerful message that the companies coming out of our, our fund are doing great, highly successful, and you too, Mr. and Ms. Investors, should take a look.
0: Yeah, no, one of the things that um, at Uplifting Capital, we have been touting is this this concept of inclusion alpha, right? If there's... there's uh equal talent, or uh if we if we start with that assumption, and there's an imbalance of resources and an imbalance of opportunity, providing those resources and providing that opportunity from an investment standpoint should uh ha- have some alpha associated with it. And it should be, and especially um when you may be uniquely suited or have unique experience and kind of sourcing that talent, connecting with that talent. You're, you, the the number of signups you got on day one is indicative of the fact that you have something that resonates. And so I think of it, yeah, absolutely. There is the moral imperative and there's, there's an impact benefit, but there's also a financial benefit to going where other folks aren't.
1: Right. Yeah, no. And I, I, I mean, the, the deals that we're seeing now have been, you know, ones that were like, really excited about the the potential. And again, this is really early at the stage that we're coming in, but as I stack them up against what we've seen kind of writ large, which again, going back to kind of our initial thesis within Nextcube, we never were explicitly saying we need to, we're only going to invest in female founders or entrepreneurs of color. We were just trying to create an environment where those founders felt comfortable and would seek out our support and, and accelerator as a, you know, as a result. So the numbers just, you know, happen to fall into that, um, into that category where, you know, 60% of our portfolio is either female or entrepreneurs of, you know, of color. But when I look at the, you know, the deals that we're seeing now, I would stack those up against whether we were, it was only an HBCU specific fund or we were looking at, you know, all opportunities, all these companies would have been just as as competitive, so we're we're really thrilled at what we're seeing, you know, kind of early for our first uh, cohort, and just know that it's it's not going to take long for other people to recognize. Wait a second, we should we should also be looking at, you know, around the corner at these at these schools. But for now, that we're you know kind of one of the first movers in the space. Well, from a business perspective, we we like where how things are shaping up. Yeah. But
0: hopeful that that everyone recognizes this. not today, right? <laughs> right man.
1: Tomorrow, it's, I hope everyone sees this opportunity. <laughs> it's a little runway. Let us let us get up and up and going. But but I, I would I'll even say that even the companies that are past our our stage, and this is what I think is so powerful about the HBCU community, which you know, for anybody who's graduated from a school, they have an affiliation usually or affinity back to that school. So if they see some another um you know student who's graduated from there they want to give them a little you know extra support that grows the same within HBCU and there are 100 plus HBCUs out there but it's like cross-pollination across all of those institutions so when we go to a founder and we say hey we're starting this fund um it's focused exclusively on HBCUs even if they're like further along in this in the stack like they're at the seed or series a Level, They're like, well, how can I still be helpful? Can I refer you to other founders? Can I be a a mentor to your portfolio? Or are you going to do some follow on funding? Maybe, you you know, you can come into this next round. I mean, the door has just been open on so many, you know, levels that it really proved out what we thought, you know, initially that it's going to be more than just us providing capital. The founders are going to want to be a part of this community because they see it as a way to give back to the next generation of entrepreneurs.
0: Yeah, I think that speaks to both what you're doing and that also speaks to the fact that it's obvious that you actually have a heart for this work and, and, and that you are leading with the, as well, in addition to the financial opportunity, leading with the benefits that you want to have for this broader community. And I know the first time we met in person you had, had we we had an impact dinner and I you know we had met I think a few weeks before that and I said Marlon we're doing this thing on on criminal justice and you were there and you were there at the next one and so I I can I can vouch for the fact that you you had no reason to be there and and your uh your heart for impact is is clear and and, and true and so I I wish you nothing but the best uh in, in what you're doing how how can uh folks whether it's a Financial advisor, high net worth individual, or foundation. How can folks support um, the work that you're doing specifically um, at the uh, HBCU Founders Initiative and Fund, and then also this broader mission to support this ecosystem?
1: Yeah, well, um, obviously, from a, a philanthropic, you know, perspective, we have our our five hundred one c three, and so our ability to support more hbcus is contingent upon you know funding so we've received some really generous support from foundations and like united you know, negro college fund and and corporations like franklin templeton and costco among others and so that's always a, a great way what we always tell folks who are engaged with us like it's not going to be one of these deals where you can just write a check and come back to us in, in six months and say hey how's it going and you know you ask <laughs> for a report like In order for this to work, we really need engagement um, because we assign advisors to all of the teams that are going through the program. We have mentor opportunities. We need judges for pitch competitions. The scale at which we're trying to um, kind of grow this program is going to require not just NextQ, but not just the Founders Initiative, but we're going to need a lot of hands on deck to, to support that. So, Getting engaged as a mentor, getting engaged as, a, as an advisor. Um, we have an investment advisory board, which provides kind of friendly feedback to uh, you're, on, you're on that board. So it can provide friendly feedback to the teams as they're going through the the program. But yeah, we're we're just looking for folks that have a heart for the the work and want to roll up their sleeves and and get involved.
0: Well that that is fantastic. And I hope uh everyone listening uh, jumps in and we'll make sure that people have the resources to connect with you. I'll I'll close with uh the uh, question that that we like to ask many of our guests, which is what does uplifting mean to you?
1: Wow. <clears throat> what does uplifting mean to me? Um I think it's just being being thankful, um, being thankful for all the blessings that you've been given, that that's kind of the starting point for by which you're kind of interacting with with others, because if you're starting with that uplift or that thankful heart, then it doesn't really feel like work when you're out there trying to support you know, others and help them achieve their their goals. Um it just feels more like a byproduct of of you know kind of who you are and what you're you're what you're all about. So for me, uplifting is about helping other people realize their potential. I've been blessed to have folks in my life who have seen more in me than I saw in myself. Um, and I am want to be able to provide that same type of support to, you know, to others. Who, um, if I could play that role for somebody, that would make me a happy camper. <laughs> <laughs> well, your
0: your spirit oozes that. Your your work and your resume uh, oozes that. And so, and so yeah, no, nah, I'm I'm thankful uh, for you joining and 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 sharing what you're doing, and excited to continue to support uh, however I can.
1: I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All
0: right. Thanks, Marlon. Please be sure to subscribe, like, and click the notification button so you never miss an episode.